0: You're listening to Don's Cast, an unofficial fan podcast about the greatest Australian football team, the Essendon Bombers. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nick. And Nick, I believe you're going to be attending the game on Friday night, but maybe not in your traditional form.
1: Yeah, mate, I got an email from the club today saying I'm part of the mighty Bombers in the crowd, so as part of the uh, promotion with Cole, so there'll be a cardboard cutout of me behind the goals there, so... uh, Yeah, looking forward to to being behind the Bombers um, at the ground and at home.
0: Yeah, well, I'll definitely keep an eye out for you. And uh, well done on getting a call up. You did always say you wanted a call up from the Bombers. (laughs) Maybe it it, wasn't the way you pictured it. (laughs)
1: Couldn't even get on the ground, but it's all right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, congrats, mate. Um, Okay, so after a poor showing on Saturday night against the Blues, the Bombers will look to bounce back against a pie side that has faced some scrutiny this week with the steel side bottom and to a lesser extent, Lyndon Dunn covert breaching. And didn't you find it interesting that the media has held back a little bit on steel and gone nowhere near as hard as they did on Connor?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And well, look, you know, Eddie owns the media down there, and uh, you know, he's obviously uh, had his finger in a number of pies to probably uh, fill a few gaps there. And geez, I tell you what, mate, if if we had a president like Eddie Maguire during the saga, I don't reckon that would have got nearly as big, and, you yeah, know, look what he's done here with steel side-bottom, so, um, yeah, definitely interesting how he was found by police, and um, I sort of found it really interesting at the start, when they were trying to make excuses, say, oh, you know, you have a scotch here and there, and all of a sudden you, you don't remember what happened that, that night. <laughs> could happen to anyone. I, I don't know about that. But uh, no, look, he misses the game, which is, I suppose, a good thing for us because he's a very damaging player. But, yeah, definitely was funny. The, certainly the double standards between what Connor did and, you know, he got lambasted by the media and then seeing Steele Steel solving him get absolutely plastered and uh, not seem to receive as much attention.
0: Yeah, well, to me, it definitely shows that uh, the media are scared of Eddie. Let's bluntly call it as we see it uh there and you know in some ways we should be envious of that look eddie's made collingwood almost you know protected property and you know for us if anything happens with us we get absolutely roasted but somehow despite eddie's misdemeanors you know with his you know his statements around adam goods and so forth i know that was many years ago but somehow he always comes out smelling like roses and you know he definitely protects his footy club so you can't knock him for that
1: yeah, that's it. I I did like how um Lloydie had a go at him on uh, Footy Classifieds. I think it was yeah, definitely called him out on uh you know because he obviously Eddie McGuire had a go at Geelong for not telling the whole story regarding Jack Stephen, and um yeah now that something's happened to his club, he he doesn't want anyone to know about it. So um yeah definitely uh, swings and roundabouts there.
0: Yeah, well when I was watching that, I was thinking, gee, Lloydie, uh, do you still want your job? Because <laughs> we know Eddie runs Channel Nine, but um. Yeah, I guess, uh, how much is that theatrics and how much is it like, is it sometimes, you know, the conspiracy side to me says, uh, did they tee that up before it goes there and go, hey, Lloydy, frame me a bit of a bone here, try and push <laughs> the envelope and then I'll fire back and I'll puff out my chest and so forth. Because, uh, yeah, Lloydy didn't hold back, that's for sure.
1: Well, look, if Lloydy does need another job after that, I know a certain forward line they could do with a kicking coach.
0: <laughs> Definitely, yes. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see Lloydy back in some shape or form. So the side name for the game tomorrow night has had a couple of changes we've foreseen, but I was a little bit surprised by the news Aaron Francis would be out injured. Uh, what do you know about that, mate?
1: Yeah, according to the club, um, apparently he had a bit of a, a back complaint. They reckon he was a bit proppy and seemed to sort of complain that the back was sort of like a bit of a catch or something like that. So whether it was stiff, he couldn't quite extend his legs or whatever that meant. They've, I think they've made the right decision of being cautious and letting him rest at least the week, so we'll see if he's back next week. But yeah, the club seemed confident it wasn't a serious issue. And yeah, again, I think it is good to be cautious, uh, certainly in a season like this, because we wouldn't want to see him you know, try and push through it and potentially aggravate the injury later on. So yeah, shame to miss him, but um, we're very lucky that we've got very solid backman stocks at the moment.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, obviously, we lost Ambrose as well uh, in the reserves last week, or not reserves, in a scratch match last week. So we are losing a little bit of the defensive stocks, but I noticed the emergency is uh, Zerk Thatcher, so uh, he's another one that would be itching for a game down back if given the opportunity. Uh, we'll see two players debut for the Bombers in Phillips and Mitch Ibbard. I'm wrapped for both players. Has, uh had to be a no-brainer. As we discussed, there was no chance Bell Chambers could go with Grundy. And we bring in a big-bodied midfielder in Mitchell Hibbard, who was taken with pick ten, pick 10 sorry, in the rookie draft last year after previous stints with Williamstown and also in the AFL with North Melbourne.
1: Yeah, it's uh, great to see him uh, get their chance in the red and black. Yeah, Phillips obviously being the big one for us. is His mobility around the ground will be huge for us, I think. Um, and, you know, against... Grundy, you know, I don't think a a tap Ruckman would have necessarily as much advantage because, you know, as we know, Grundy almost places another midfielder in there for Collingwood. So um, we definitely needed someone more agile and mobile around the ground and Phillips um, definitely gives us that uh, from what we've seen in the preseason anyway. So hopefully he's still got that good form because he actually looked really good for us and um, I'm really excited to see what he can do. In the in the game against Collingwood, and as for Mitch Hibbard, yeah, obviously he gets his chance with us. Uh, you know, obviously losing Hep and then with other injuries uh, we've sort of received recently, but just definitely needed that bigger body because we've we've got quite a small midfield and we've definitely been shown up by a couple of clubs. So yeah, really excited for both players and for Mitch Hibbard to get a second chance at um, at the AFL. I think it's great for him. So let's hope he. Takes it with both hands.
0: Yeah, and uh, Jaden Laverde gets another opportunity. I think that probably flags that Hooker will, will remain in defence, possibly matching up on Mason Cox with uh, Franger out. I think if Hooker was going to go forward, we would have selected Zirk Thatcher.
1: Yeah, that's a good call, that. Yeah, so looks like we will yeah keep him down back there, which isn't a bad thing. He's, he's definitely a great backman. And obviously with Collingwood not having um, Howe in the side... Uh, they don't have extremely tall back line as it is. So I think that should hopefully work in our, our favour. And I will be excited to see Lav in the forward line. He kicked a few in the scratch match last week. So hopefully he's um, really seen that he's got to work hard to, to get a spot in the side and then to maintain it. Because I think he's, he's just got so much talent. I'd love to see him just really put in and put his best foot forward because I think he can be very damaging. But he just has that have that belief and back himself. So they should be good good selections. I did want to say though, with um, Mitch Hibbert in the side, it's sort of interesting because we've sort of spoken about Darcy Parish and not getting as much opportunity in the midfield uh, as he deserves, to be quite frank. So I'm really hoping that look, while it's great to have Mitch Hibbert there, I'm hoping he doesn't take up those minutes that Darcy Parish really deserves. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Who plays what and and how many minutes? Because you know Darcy Parish played the least amount of minutes last week, which is really disappointing. So uh, let's hope we're a bit smarter about it this week and give him some opportunity in the midfield.
0: Yeah, there was a number of articles this week uh, commenting on the Parish decision not to give him some midfo- midfield minutes, and um, yeah, so obviously it's a topic that Essen uh, will have to address and. The best way to address that is by giving him the midfield time, um at some point and this week would seem the perfect opportunity with Merritt and also Heppel out. Um yeah, you'd think that he's gonna get his opportunity. Well, mate, why don't you read out the full side?
1: All right, so from the back line, so we've got Marty Gleason, Cale Hooker and Adam Sard. Off the half back, we've got David Zaharakis, Michael Hurley, and Jordan Ridley. In the centres. We'll start with the lucky man, Braden Ham. I think he's very lucky to keep his spot. And then we've got Andrew McGrath and Kyle Langford Off the half forward, we've got Raz, Smack and Tipper. In the forward line, we've got Snelling, another man who's lucky to keep his spot. Stringer and Townsend. And the followers are Phillips, Parrish and Scheel. And I hope that named lineup is what goes ahead for, uh, for the followers there with Darcy Parrish starting on the ball. I think that'd be great for him. So with the interchange, we've got Dev Smith, Mitch Hibbard, Mason Redman, and Jaden Laverde. With emergencies, Ned Carl. Um, he kicked three goals in the scratch match last week, so seems to be in some uh, pretty good nick. Uh, and then we've got Guelphie Clark, uh, which is an interesting one. We sort of talked about him, uh, whether he's be coming up for selection soon. Um, and then we've got uh, Zerk Thatcher.
0: Yeah, well, Ned Carl, um, I was saying that, yeah, you know, he was a bit of a steal when we picked him. They, they felt that he could be a really important player in the AFL as he develops. And uh, he's obviously got a good goal sense, you know, kicking three goals. I know it was only a 12-on-12 game. But, um, yeah, a lot of reports of him being a very smart player. Another one of those small forwards, though. So I guess his opportunity will come if uh, Snelling and players like that don't continue to make any impact on the game. Then Ned may get a game not in the too far future. So that's exciting It's always watch new bombers, and we've got two this week, obviously, in Phillips and Hibbert to watch. But it looks like Ned's knocking on the door to get an opportunity to be a new bomber as well. Why don't we read out the Collingwood side? I've got a pretty talented side, James. They,
1: so from the back line, you got Jack Crisp, Jordan Ruffhead, and Matty Scharenberg. Uh, then off the halfback, you got... Braden Maynard, Darcy Moore, and Travis Varko. The centers you got Josh Dakos, who actually looked really good last week. Um, then you got Scotty Pendlebury and Will Hoskin-Elliott. The half forwards you got Jaden Stevenson, Brody Meyercheck, and Tom Phillips. With the forward line of Jordan DeGoe, Mason Cox, and Jamie Elliott. With the followers Brody Grundy, Taylor Adams, and Adam Trelaw. With Chris Main, Rupert Wills, Tyler Brown, and Callum Brown off the interchange uh And those brown boys looked um looked pretty good as well uh, both of them are super talented, so well, hopefully we can um stifle their influence um and their emergencies uh jack magden uh Josh Thomas, Darcy Cameron, and john noble
0: yeah well, that's uh Adam Troll back for Collingwood. they'll be pleased with that uh he's he can be a dangerous player uh his kicking's always a little bit iffy with me um you know it's funny him and Dylan shield um you wonder how much time was spent on their <laughs> uh, skills of kicking the ball, especially on pace. Uh, both of them can muck it up, but they're both very talented players. So, um, yeah, we'll have to watch him on the night uh, returning from injury. Well, uh, let's go through some of the key matchups. Now, a bloke who loves to play against the Bombers, it seems, and he always has a big game. Who goes with Pendlebury? He has a history of ripping us up. And I think, I'm thinking, you know, after his good performance last week on. Paddy Cripps, uh, Kyle Langford might be the man.
1: Yeah, I reckon that's a good call. That, James. He did a great job on Cripps last week, and going with Pendlebury will allow him to play a real important role for us, as well as obviously learning that midfield craft from you know one of the best in the game. Um, hopefully, he doesn't learn too much though, because I'd like to see him really shut Pendlebury out of the game. Uh, but as we know, it's it's hard to keep a good player down the whole game. But yeah, I think yeah you know, Langford's definitely got the uh, the smarts to to go with. Pendlebury and um, look, we, um, you know Langford's not the quickest bloke, but neither is Pendlebury, so I think he can he can go with him all game. So that's probably a good match up there.
0: Yeah, well Pendlebury, as we know, he's not the quickest player, but he's so smart and he always seems to find space. So that's something that Kyle would have to be aware of if uh, he does get the job. Uh, now the Grundy match up, obviously we've got Phillips and McKernan who will contest, and that will be important. Because uh, I'm kind of confident that we can break even um, at the at the clearances. Uh, it's just as long as Grundy doesn't work too much office. And that's where our Ruckman are going to have to be watchful of him breaking forward or pushing forward. And, um, yeah, I'm, it's expected to be a wet, greasy night. So hopefully that can nullify Grundy's influence on the game.
1: Yeah, it will be really interesting. I mean, as we sort of mentioned with Phillips, he's... he's like really mobile around the ground. I think he's going to give us a lot of um, options uh, around the ground and hopefully stifle Grundy's influence. But I think it definitely will need to be, you know, with McKernan uh, chopping out there because uh, Grundy is such a physical uh, ruckman and um, he can run all day, which while Phillips is more mobile, I don't think he can actually stay with him uh, the whole game. So I think McKernan will be super important there. But yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how we actually play the stoppages because I don't think it'll come just to the taps. I think we'll really have to watch their midfielders um, around those contests to make sure that Grundy uh, isn't able to give them the best opportunity uh, to rip the ball
0: out. Now I'm relieved uh, Sidebottom's not playing because he's another one who loves to beat up on the Bombers. He always kicks a couple of goals and finds plenty of the footy. And uh, obviously we just talked about Trelaw coming back into the side. Do you think we'll try and play defensive on him and possibly find a defensive player to go with him? Or do you think we'll go head-to-head with maybe a McGrath or a Shield?
1: Yeah, well, I'm sort of wondering even whether we'd go with a McGrath, like more or less head-to-head, but maybe McGrath playing a bit of a defensive role on Trelaw, and then trying to sort of damage him on the way back. Like I think... Right. trelaws is a, a very clever player uh and mcgraths definitely got that ability to to shut someone down like we've, we've seen that previously in his backline roles but um and i mean honestly you know with with shield i don't he seems to play his own game doesn't seem too defensive minded and really like the the thing that uh, makes him shine out um from the rest of the sn midfield is his, his pace and dash they're the parts that really help us in attack. So I think we'd be better better served, you know, with one of our midfielders playing a bit of a defensive role on uh, Treloar and, and allowing Shield to sort of play that open, you know, running game to, to really rip lines apart.
0: Uh, well, Jordan DeGoey, he's billed as the next big thing for the Pies. But he really hasn't shown too much in season 2020 as yet. Do you think, who do you think will play on him? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Because um, he's one of those players, he's got a bigger body, but he's not overly tall, but he's, he's got some, he's a very agile player uh, and obviously loves to kick a goal. Yeah, he's also, he can be pretty
1: powerful. Like, in he's a bit of a burst player, uh, Jordan Ngoi, and, you know, he, he just seems to be able to, you know, turn it on uh, every now and then. So it'll be, it will be really interesting to see who goes with him. I mean... Uh I think Ridley will be too light to go on him. And the same with Gleeson, if I'm honest with you, like both of those guys are quite light framed, whereas DeGoey he'll he'll push those blokes off the ball. No worries. Uh,
0: would we go Assad?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm thinking it might because you know DeGoey you know, he's he he doesn't seem too interested in wanting to, to chase up and tackle if the ball's coming out of the the forward fifty, so perhaps that could be Sard's opportunity to get on his bike and be a bit damaging for us. With you know Ridley perhaps staying back to you know mop up any uh, anything that comes back. I think Saad, he's probably our best lockdown defender down there for a guy of Tagoe size. Like, do you read it differently, James? Or?
0: Yeah, you know what I I reckon it would have been a perfect game for Paddy Ambrose to come in because I think he would have been a great matchup on Tagoe if he was available. Uh, obviously, he's out with that foot injury, but yeah, he would have been a perfect matchup just in the terms of his size and also his running capability. Uh, and he wouldn't be too concerned about the one-on-one contests because we know Paddy uh, does a great job uh, one-on-one and nullifying his opponents. So, yeah, I, I think Saad's probably the pick of it, but I wouldn't want to lose too much of Saad's running of capability. So if they try and play... De is a dummy forward to keep Sard out of the play, then we'd have to make a decision, I believe.
1: Yeah, I think, like, even if you've brought, you know, put a, a Redman on De that'll allow Sard to play his game. And, you know, because I think Redman's definitely got that toughness about him to and that, that competitive spirit to want to shut him down. So, but yeah, it'll be an interesting matchup.
0: Now, with Jeremy Howe out of the side for the Pies, uh, that'll be a plus for us because he's, you know, such a great defensive mark and. It always seems to stifle uh, opposition attacks. Uh, do you think they'll, Collingwood will play like Carlton did last week with the additional defender? Because it works so well for the Blues against us, and you'd hope the Bombers' brain trust had looked into that strategy and find a way of correcting it.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, we've been saying the same thing for years, so I'm, um, I'm not sure these learnings are sinking through sometimes. But, um, look, um, I'm not. I don't think... Collingwood will play the same way um, because really when you look at Collingwood's list, they're, they're quite a talented side. Um, if we do just bomb it long and, you know, in hope more or less um, they're going to cut us back the other way. You know, Darcy Moore's uh, being quite damaging. Braden Maynard's a super talented player They can really cut you up if you, uh, if you let him. Um, and Jordan Roughhead's actually been really dependable for him uh, in their back line. So, You know, even without how I think their back line will probably, you know, look all right against us, as as much as I hate to say it. But, yeah, I think, really, um, it'll definitely be on, you know, our midfielders and wingers um, to make sure when we're delivering into the forward 50, we hit a target, Uh, or at least give it to the best opportunity of our forwards. Because, um, yeah, as you sort of indicated before, Jame, you know, bombing it, Bombing into the forward fifty on Tipper's head, or you know, or Snelling, or someone like that—it's uh, not going to work well for us.
0: No, that's right. And when you look at our marking options down down forward, you've got now uh, Laverty coming back in, Stringer, McKernan, maybe Phillips resting. Um, it's not the strongest marking team. Um, so I just hope that we are going to err going into our forward line that the players drop the ball, like in terms of dropping the ball low. Um, giving our young our um sorry, our smaller players a chance to run onto the ball. And um yeah, when we just bomb it high, as we said, we don't have the marking capacity to take those marks and it leads to easy rebound fifties for the opposition. So um I'd rather us uh you know, trying to skim the ball low and get those little blokes into the game trying to kick a couple of goals. Now Raz uh obviously saw him come back last week and he had that Moment where he was grimacing and holding onto his leg. I hope he's okay from that, because we saw a glimpse in that last quarter that really excited me when he uh, got the ball in the half back flank and he did that check side kick in inbounds. That was really pleasing to see, and I just hope he can build on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, by by the looks of it, I mean he seemed to run all right after that that incident where he contested the ball with Paddy Cripps. So I th- I think he should be all right, and um, you know. If he's put his hand up to play, um, that says to me that you're going to back yourself in as fit, fit to play. I'd be very disappointed if he wasn't. So, no, I'm going to back him in and, and say he's, he's right to go. And look, hopefully he does get a bit of you know continuity and get that form back that we know he's capable of, uh, because he can be a really damaging player for us.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, why don't we have a break? And when we come back, we'll come back with our Remember When segment, and we'll speak to you after the break. to Don's cast. Each week we do a remember when feature where we recall a game from the past that sticks in our memories. What's your game this week mate?
1: Well Jamie uh, for my remember when game I'm going right back to round 20 of 1998. Now if we think back we'd finished 14th in a 16 team competition in 97. We won only nine games that year. It was a pretty Rough time because we we'd lost Wanganeen at the end of '96 with Port Adelaide enter, entering the competition. Uh, Michael Long had a horror run with injuries over '96 and '97. Uh, he played only seven games in those two seasons and missed most of the '98 season as well. Uh, but we're beginning to develop some really good players. So young Gun Matty Lloyd was really coming along as our full forward. Justin Blumfield was starting to hit his straps as young as a as well as a young Blake Carousella. We had Jimmy Hurd taking over as captain of Essendon uh, from the great Gary O'Donnell. Um, so there was some hope that we'd improve going into 98. Now, we didn't start super strong. Um, we lost to Richmond, Frio uh, in the first four games and then lost to Collingwood by 20 points in round five. We followed that with losses to the Dogs and Cats before getting up against the Lions, D's, Hawks and Swans before falling to the Crows by two points in Adelaide and then losing to the Eagles and North. By round 14, we were 10th and losing touch with the 8, but then wins against Port, Richmond, Saints, Carlton and Frio had a storming toward a potential top 4 finish, sitting at 6th on the ladder by round 19. Now, Collingwood had a pretty poor year by comparison, winning only 7 games up until that point, but they always save something in the tank for us. So going into the game, um, Hurdy got us going early with a snap around the body uh, with the ball bouncing into goal. Then a very clever kick from Boris Buick to Scotty Lucas got our second goal. Our third came from some clever play from Wellman, who streamed out of the halfback and got the ball to Mark Fraser, the running man, uh, who hit a pinpoint pass to Jimmy Hurd on the lead to again kick true. Denham then hit a beautiful kick straight to Scotty Lucas, who kicked our fourth. When McCurry then hit Hurd on the lead, who launched a long goal from outside 50, it looked like it was just going to be Scotty and Hurdy trading goals all game. Wollman was again kicked, uh, involved in a beautiful piece of play, kicking deftly to Lloydie on a wing, who then spotted up Hurd to kick his fourth in the quarter and the Bombers' sixth goal. So at the end of that quarter, we led the first break, 6 goals, six forty-two to the Pies, 3 goals, 18. But the Pies came back in what was a huge second quarter. So Collingwood kicked the first two goals to peg us back, but then a mark to Lloyd at uh, seven-half forward. He spotted up Buick in the pocket. He kicked straight, had a staying out in front. Collingwood then kicked the next two goals uh, and cut our lead to just six points, but then a goal to Shea Cockatoo Collins, and then Dustin Fletcher leading beautifully and kicking truly kept us ahead then Shaker Cockatoo Collins pulled a rabbit out of his hat to kick an absolute beauty and kept our noses in front. And as the half ended, we led 10 goals, eight sixty eight to Collingwood's 9 goals, three fifty seven. At the start of the third quarter, though, Collingwood tried a bit of dash and run out of the back, but a run-down tackle from Lloyd, with McCurry picking up the scrap to feed it to Denham, who made them pay, edged our lead out a bit followed by a goal from Peter Berbikov um, after a brilliant mark from Sheikokitou Collins. Then the big Rhino, that's Rhino Connor, uh, got involved as well as, as, you know, he got actually got beaten pretty soundly um, in the first half of the game by Savaroka. Um, but getting involved in the game, so we kicked the ball forward to a great lead from Lloydy. He slotted the goal, uh, but then Collingwood, um, you know, kicked a couple again, so Collingwood kicked four for the quarter and dragged the lead back to only seven points at three-quarter time. McCurry opened our account in the fourth quarter, uh, kicking a goal from outside 50 that just seemed to swing in the air like a Shane Warne leg spinner. Then Lloyd took a grab in the goal square from a Gary O'Donnell bomb and we looked to be stretching out our lead. But Collingwood kept threatening, and after a goal to Collingwood with about four minutes to go, Collingwood trailed by only four points. With the game in the balance, Moorcroft faked left and then right and then pumped the ball inside 50 to hit Lloyd in the lead. He kicked his third of the game and what was eventually the sealer for the Bombers in the end. It was interesting because Collingwood scored one goal nine in that last quarter to our three goals straight. They had plenty of opportunities but just didn't make them count, and after all the nerves of that last quarter, It was a sweet victory over the filth in the end. And uh, we ended up winning 16 goals, 13-109, to Collingwood's 14
2: goals, 50-99. Outside of 50, finds Lloyd, that's a great kick, and a wonderful mark by a champion young player. Kick as badly as Collingwood in the last quarter to lose a game, which they are going to lose, because Matthew Lloyd has kicked a great goal. Ball that had to be won by Jason Johnson. He attacked it, he drew the free kick, and effectively from then, the game was over. Well, the siren will sound versus they bounce the ball. The Bombers home here in round 20 by 10 points. And I think James Heard realises, Jared, very lucky to get out of this game today.
1: Now, that win gave us the opportunity to fight for that top four spot. Um, but unfortunately we lost to the Doggies and the Cats in the last two games of the season, meaning we just scraped into the eighth. Now, interestingly, so Richmond also... So we won 12 games that year. Richmond also won 12, um, but had lower percentage of us. And, uh, you know, as we used to say at the time, Ninthman, uh they finished ninth that year. So while well, we finished in the eighth that year, as most of us all know, uh, we were bundled out pretty quickly by North in that qualifying final. But that game against Collingwood was a was a ripper and one I remember fondly. So what was your game, Joe?
0: Yeah, well, I'll just quickly go over yours. Uh, yeah, that win um, against Collingwood was, would be our last win for 1998. Uh, as you said, we lost our last three games, including the elimination final. Uh, well, it wasn't an elimination final. Back then, it was first, playing eighth in the first week of the finals. So it basically, it was the two... The way it worked was: uh, first played eighth, second played seventh, third played uh, fifth, and sorry, third played sixth, and fourth played fifth, and basically the two the teams with the that were bundled out were the two lowest ranked teams that lost. So, um, if the seventh and eighth sides had gotten up, and the fifth and sixth sides didn't, um, they would be bundled out. But it was a ludicrous position where if the seventh and eighth side won. And the fifth and sixth side one, then that means the third and fourth side team would have been kicked out of the finals. <laughs> so, <laughs> how would you be like you finish third or fourth, but a, a, run, a ring of upsets get up and you're out of the comp? So, out of the season, um, yeah, I can see why they made that change, it didn't really reward you know a top four finish back then. Um, yeah, it was disappointing, uh, the way we went, but. An interesting stat from nineteen ninety eight. We never lost a game by more than I think three goals. So although we lost about ten or eleven games for the year, uh, every result, if you have a look back at the back at them, we never got pants. We we're always within striking um, striking range against all sides. So um, you could definitely see this the side was building, and and we all know that only two years later. We'd uh, go through a season losing only one game, including the Premiership. So we'd win the Premiership in the year 2000. So it was definitely the making of the, a powerful side coming through. Yeah, my game, well, how can you discuss a game from the past without bringing up the 2009 comeback game against Collingwood on Anzac Day? The Bombers were jumped early, and inaccurate kicking had really cost us with the Pies leading four goals, two twenty six to our one goal, five eleven the second quarter we played the better footy and at half time we had it squared up at six goals six each and the third quarter continued to be evenly played but again both sides were inaccurate in the wet and greasy conditions and we had a nine point lead and we started the last term over the pies you now with a little hope that we could pull away and we held a comfortable uh, sorry the the Pies had a comfortable 14-point lead after kicking a number of goals early in that quarter, and with only two minutes to play, as I said, we found ourselves 14 points behind. Then a, a snap goal by Leroy Jetta and a beautiful kick by Ricky Dyson on the boundary line had the game under a goal with about a minute to play. And The Pies surged the ball forward, and after a Travis Cloak miss, A couple of quick kicks out of our defensive area got to Lovett. And Lovett got the ball out to Mumphreys, who was just inside the centre square. And he made a kick that was kind of an awkward kick that beat the Collingwood uh, defender. And it looked like it was sitting up perfectly for Leroy Jetta to run into uh, an open goal. And obviously, it could have been the match-winning goal. But frustratingly, he fumbled the greasy ball, and the ball was instead... Force through for a behind. And I don't know if you remember that, mate. I just remember almost pulling my hair out. <laughs> thinking, you know, that was going to be the easiest goal. and Yeah, you felt like we'd missed our chance. Uh, now, after the Collingwood kick out, the ball got up to just outside the half-forward flank and uh, the ball got out over the back to Winderlich and Winderlich gave a little handball to Hocking and Hocking got it out to Lovett Murray. Lovett Murray squared the ball up and hit uh, first-year player David Zarakis. Zarakis, possibly knowing how wet uh, the ball was and he might not have the leg to kick 50 metres, he quickly played on despite being hotly pursued and managed to have the foresight to balance himself and kick the match-winning goal. And just the crowd was just went crazy and moving love it this could be the last gasp for the Bombers attacking
2: at Montfries just forward the centre they're dangerous when they move it quickly Dyson Chetta it's a little set for him he's got it he's got the open goal in front of him oh he couldn't no. get it out of his boot oh. the bombers. can you believe that oh, oh no. can you believe that he, it seemed like he had all the time in the world look at his slippery that is incredible. It looked like it was a certain goal. Don't you love the way and played that on from their defensive 50? Collingwood by a point. Lockyer brings it in. Right a sandwich between two pies. Back of the Packers, it Quick handball to Hocking. Back to Lovett Murray. He goes short. That's a mark. To zaharaki Seems here David Zaharakis puts Essendon back in front after all looked lost stack the back line, look at him go down the bombers, there's about 18 players going deep in defence, every single Essendon player is going to go into defence now and try and clog it up sensational bit of play good composure there from Lovett Murray and Zaharakis under pressure, make great contact Well, it's a magnificent fight back by a never-say-die Essendon. But Collingwood will have to ask themselves how they let it come to this. And Ryder rises to the heights again. Tuvey tries to crash through. There's that time. It's over. The Bothers have won it. They have snatched victory from the jaws of defeat.
0: I'd actually seen a few Essendon supporters go home in that game. They'd had enough, you know, the rain was starting to open up. And I was thinking of them when I was on the, at the ground. I was thinking, oh, dear, do they know what they're missing? Um, it was a beautiful goal, and obviously uh, we all remember it to this day. And, you know, David Zarakis what a first-year moment for him. Uh, on on his footy's biggest day uh, outside the grand final, uh, he put his name up in lights.
1: Yeah, what a cracker of a game. Um, I still remember that, you know. And I think um like everyone remembers the Zaka goal, but um that goal from Ricky Dyson was an absolute beauty. Um you couldn't have struck that better. Um you know, he's it he was just like kicked it straight through the middle. But um you know, I remember um, you know, sitting there watching the game with a few mates and um, you know, we battled hard all game, but you know, with two minutes left to go, you needed three goals. You thought, oh, nah, this is done. So you know, I was ready to be the you know, the humble um Essendon fan and said, Oh look, you know, your team was the better one on the day. But then we kicked a goal and oh well, maybe we're not totally out of it. Got another goal and geez, we're in this and then when uh, David Zaharakis kicked that winner, well, there wasn't any more <laughs> any more modest Essendon fan, it was uh uh, you know, eat uh, an ill tasting burger um, <laughs> with sort of with a sort of sentiment sauce. So, um, I was I was giving out um, just a fantastic moment as a Essendon fan, and really as a footy fan. Really, we all love those um, come from behind victories, uh, except for when, it ha- when it happens to us. But um, no, nah, an absolute ripping game, and yeah, good recount by yourself, James.
0: Yeah, well, when the Dons were home. It was great watching the Pies fans absolutely gutted after the game. <laughs> um, obviously, we've had moments like that in our past that you know, I hated. Like um, yeah, One that sticks in my mind is the 99 prelim. That was just a horrible feeling walking out of that game because we obviously knew that we were a better side and who knows what we could have done in the grand final that year. But, yeah, that was one I felt for. But uh, when you see the opposition going through the same kind of thing, like, Yeah, you take great joy in that, as if to say, yeah. (laughs) You know how much that hurts? I hope you always remember that. So uh, that was a great moment for the Bombers on Anzac Day. And let's face it, uh, the Pies have a distinctive edge on us on Anzac Day now, especially the last few years. They've really owned it. And it's time for the Bombers next year to get one back, I think. (laughs) That's it, even ledger. Well, as we finish up the show, we'll come back with our Bomber predictions. And I don't know about you, mate, but I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow night. Absolutely, mate. All right, we'll see you after the break. You're listening to Don's Cast. And as we wrap up the show, we'll go through our usual predictions. So, mate, my first question to you, who kicks the first goal tomorrow night? Yeah,
1: look, James, I'm going to go with Sean McKernan. With no how down there, I reckon he should be in with a good chance to take some good clunking grabs, and hopefully he can get us going early. How about you? Who've you got, mate?
0: Yeah, I think the ball being um you know it'd be pretty greasy tomorrow night, so I think the ball might be yeah you know, just thrusted forward, and I'm hoping that we can see Will Snelling get on the end of it and maybe walk in a goal. I'd like to see Will, because even though I've had his name on the chopping block. With my side predictions, I just think maybe tomorrow night might be a good night for him.
1: A bit of a dark horse there, James, and yeah, might be due for some form. Who do you reckon is going to get the most disposals for us, mate?
0: Yeah, well, we talked earlier about yeah, you know, Collingwood have quite a strong midfielder with you know Pendlebury and Trelaw and Adams, so we're going to have to be able to match up with them and get a bit of a ball, a bit of the ball ourselves. So I'm going to back in Dylan Shield. I, I hope he can be the one that gets out for us and you know causes the Pies a bit of pain with his you know uh, run and also hopefully he can launch a few balls forward and maybe kick a goal himself.
1: Yeah, well, I had um, uh, I had Dylan Shield as well for my prediction. Um, but just to go a bit different, I'll I'll go with Andy McGrath. Um, I think it's his chance to get back involved in, in racking up those disposals, especially with um Zach Merritt missing. Um, we need someone else to to help out Shield in that uh, midfield there. You know, because you can't just be a one man show. And um, yes, yeah, so I think Andy McGrath, even though he might play a bit of a defensive game, I think he'll rack up plenty of the pill himself. So I'll I'll uh, I'll back him in.
0: All right, and of course the main the main prediction we want to get right well, not maybe not right if we're <laughs> honest yeah. we have to give our true guess. But who wins and how much? Yeah, look um, honestly, James, I, I think
1: Collingwood are, are quite a tough side, and you know, while they've played some some crap footy at times this year, uh, they've also played some really good footy. And you know, you look at the the players they've got on their list. There's some very talented uh, boys out there. So I think they're going to be too strong for us in the end and might beat us by about three goals. Nah, I'd love to be wrong, though. But how about you, mate? What are you predicting?
0: i uh, call me a sucker. i just think after last week's insipid performance, I'm hoping uh, the boys have done a bit of soul-searching and I'm going to tip our boys to get up. Yeah, in an in an upset, you have to say that um, they have no right to be favourites after what they dished up last week. Yeah, I think we might get up, but yeah, again, it'll be a very low. Um, I'm hoping it'll be like a. Well, I'd like to see us win by five or six goals, but if I'm being <laughs> honest, you know, I think I think you know it's going to be maybe a, a, under a kick. I think it'll be one of those wet dour nights where um, it's going to be hard to get a real run on so it's going to be staying in the contest and i'm hoping our little forwards who haven't been fantastic as we've spoken about um have a good night out uh reading some crumbs and maybe Jaden laverde getting involved uh adding a, a little bit more height down forward not, not that he's overly tall but here's a marking option uh hopefully players like amt can uh, get a few crumbs and make collingwood bay so all
1: oh, right could be a bit of chance for Bit of redemption for Townsend, mate. Kick the winner.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I think we'd all support that. So, with that, uh, I think uh, we'll look forward to tomorrow night's game, and hopefully, we talk about a Bombers victory next time we do our next show.
1: That's it. All right, go Bombers.
0: Yeah, go to Don's, and yeah, come on Bombers, let's get the pies back.